Hello and welcome to a new week and a new week means we have made it to a Monday. I'm your host Dylan Shabilsky aka Shibs and you are listening to the Sports with Shibs podcast. Getting into our first topic, the NFL Monday Night Football preview. Wilson and the Broncos travel to Seattle. First time Wilson will be playing against his former team and I did select the Broncos to win. Unfortunately, I'm recording this after the game, but I told all my friends that I thought the Broncos were going to win. And a little review from the game, Hackett uses timeouts with 15 seconds left while Seahawks were in victory formation, which comes off as very petty. If I was Hackett, I would have just went for it on the fourth and five instead of kicking the 64-yarder because there's only been one active kicker in the NFL that's hit a 64-yarder, and that is Justin Tucker. And if McManus did hit that, that would have tied the second-longest field goal in history. I just didn't under really, I didn't understand what Hackett was doing there, and I didn't really like how he used his last two timeouts because if they would have went for it on fourth and five. And if they would have converted, they could have used a timeout. And then it's like a 58-yard field goal rather than a a 64, excuse me. It just didn't make sense to me. And the Seahawks end up winning. They stun the Broncos. They stun me. Geno Smith looked great. He really looked fresh out there. Just a rough start for Broncos country and Russell Wilson era. And then taking a look back at my all of my NFL picks for this week, I was 6-10. and 10. I had 6 correct picks, 10 incorrect picks. I picked the Rams, and they obviously lost to the Bills. I picked the Niners, and the Bears somehow won that in a <laughs> – it looked like a water park almost out there. I did end up picking the Bengals, and the Steelers got the win. I picked the Eagles correctly. They beat the Lions, but I thought the Lions looked very, very good. I thought that DeAndre Swift looked amazing. I thought Jared Goff played very well. I picked the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. They lost. I picked the Panthers to beat the Browns. Panthers lost, even though I thought Baker looked pretty good with the Panthers offense with minimal time there. I did pick the Colts, and no team won that game. That was a tie, and shocking because no team in that division has a win to start the year, and two of the teams played each other. Colts and Texans tied. The Jags lost. And the Titans ended up losing to the Giants. I picked that game wrong. The Packers lost to the Vikings, and they looked rough on offense. Their defense didn't really look too good as everyone's hyping up. I picked that one wrong. I picked the Jets to beat the Ravens, and obviously that didn't happen. That was my sleeper pick for the week. Saints ended up beating the Falcons, so there's a little win. The I picked the Commanders to beat the Jags, so there's another win. And then... Looking back at my bottom row of the late later games, the Raiders beat the Charger. No, the the Chargers beat the Raiders, so I got that one right. The Chiefs ended up beating the Cardinals. I got that one right. 
The Buccaneers beat the Cowboys, got that one right. And then obviously the Broncos-Seahawks game, I picked the Broncos and the Seahawks ended up winning. So that was my review. So far, I'm 6-10 and 10 on the year. Uh, I can't wait to do this weekly and keep you updated on how I do with picking games. And then moving to college football, we had some upsets in college football. Marshall upset Notre Dame. That really tore my heart apart because I'm a Notre Dame fan, and it was just tough to watch that happen. And then we had Appalachian State stunning Texas A&M, which was I, – I was very happy for Appalachian State. It was a great win for them. It was pretty cool to see the streets. The people were running around the streets going crazy a typical upset of a small school beating a large school. It was pretty cool to watch. And then we had the Badgers losing, which really tore my heart apart because the Badgers should have won easily, but they just played like horrible. They played so bad. The defense didn't really look all put together. The offense was rough. Graham Mertz was really, really rough that game. And it seems that the Badgers always have a, a game like this where they underperform heavily. And then I thought, I'm just going to throw it out there, I thought Texas losing to Bama in a close match like that, I thought Texas really, really put themselves out there to show that they are here. I guess Texas football is kind of back, but not really yet. But I just thought it was really cool to see Texas, like, Almost stunned number one Alabama. And we're going to get through the AP poll in a little bit, but you'll see why I think it's pretty cool that Texas ended up winning. And then going back, Danny Ainge comes out and says that the Jazz team last year didn't really believe in each other. Since then, he has blown up the playoff contending team and is now in a full rebuild mode, similar to how he operated with the Boston Celtics. Now, if you remember, with the Celtics, he was able to not only draft Jason Tatum, but also Jalen Brown. And personally, I believe that this is a great move by Ainge. He comes into the Jazz organization with players he didn't want. And Gobert is very one-dimensional. He's a very good defensive player, but he's not going to score a lot for you. Donovan Mitchell, however, is a very explosive guard. The only downside I have on Mitchell is his height. So with Ainge coming into the Jazz and blowing up the Jazz team, getting a, a sense of feel of a roster he wants to put together, uh, accumulating draft pick after draft pick, it really is going to be interesting to see what Ainge can do because if he's operating this how he did with the Celtics, I would expect the Jazz to be a hard-gritted team just like the Celtics that he wants to put together. If you remember when Jalen Brown was drafted, he was actually booed by a lot of the Celtics fans because he was drafted at number two. And that now you look at him and he's probably one of the best two-way players that the NBA has in the game. I just think that Ainge is super smart and he's very particular at every move he does. So this does not really shock me that because the team didn't believe in each other, it was basically setting up to be blown up anyways. It is sad to see that 
Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are gone, but I really thought they were able to keep one or the other. Obviously, Ainge didn't want that. He got a lot from those two players, though. The Timberwolves gave up quite a bit to get Gobert, which really doesn't make sense since they have Cat, unless they're going to move Cat to more of a four, like a a perimeter four big. And then moving Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were able to acquire some young pieces along with more draft picks. Ainge is just doing what he did with the Celtics, accumulating draft pick after draft pick, getting players that he wants on the roster. And I wish Ainge the best of luck to this upcoming season. It's probably not going to go the way that a lot of Jazz fans want it to, but you have a bright future ahead of you nonetheless. Just keep your heads up, Jazz fans. And now taking a look at the AP25 college football rankings. Georgia is top dog, and no pun intended there. They are number one. They jump Alabama after Bama had a rough game against Texas. So Bama's at two, Ohio State's at three. Michigan at four, Clemson at five. So the top five really didn't change besides Georgia-Bama flip-flop. Oklahoma jumps one, they're at six. USC goes up three, they're at seven. Oklahoma State jumps three, they're at eight. Kentucky jumps 11, and they're at nine. I think that's the first time Kentucky has been in the top 10 in a long time. So congrats, Kentucky. More of a basketball school, people say. Uh, But, I mean... Congratulations on that. Arkansas jumps six, and they're in the top ten. Michigan State goes up three. They're at 11. BYU jumps nine, and they're at 12. Miami goes up two. They're at 13. Utah drops one. They're at 14. Tennessee jumps nine. They're at 15. NC State jumps two, and they're at 16. Baylor goes down eight at 17. Florida goes down six at 18. Wake Forest is at 19 and they jump four spots. Ole Miss jumps two spots and they're at 20. Texas is at 21 and they were not ranked before this poll. Penn State also not ranked and they're at 22. Pittsburgh is at 23 and they go down six. Texas A&M, with the biggest change this week, goes down 18 spots and is ranked at 24. That is a big, big, rough one for Texas A&M fans. That is just bad. That's one of the biggest jumps I've seen in a while. And then rounding out the top 25, Oregon sits at 25, and they were not ranked before. A lot of upsets and a lot of shakeups in this new list. It's going to be one fun college football season. Let me tell you guys that. I mean, we have Bama almost losing already, and you have Texas A&M, a powerhouse losing. You have Notre Dame not even in the top 25. It's just wild to like look at this list and say, like, oh, my gosh, Kentucky is at 9. When did that happen? Arkansas is at 10. What? Utah is in the top 15. It's just, it's going to be a fun season. Like you have Ole Miss back in the rankings. You have Texas back in the rankings. It's it, it's going to be one fun season. I can already tell. I mean, the first two weeks have already 
been really fun to watch, and I can't wait to get more college football. Hey, yo, man, I see you out there. I see you. Introducing a new segment on the podcast, I See You. Mike Trout is on fire. He is El Fuego. He is the man, the kid. He, he's he got seven straight homers in seven straight games. Come on, people. A week's worth of home runs in seven games. It's nuts watching him right now. He's on a different planet. He looks great. And, yeah, it, it, this is a segment where I just like to talk about a player who's having a hot streak and Trout is on that hot streak. So this is a brand new segment. Trout is going absolutely ballistic right now. So Trout, you are the ICU player of the week. And then jumping back to college football, Nebraska has fired their head coach Frost after going one and two to start the year. Uh, I feel bad for him. I believe every coach should play out the year, and then they should make decisions on the coaching staff at the end of the year. I just find it not fair to the coach. Uh, the team has a contract with the coach. So it, it's just it, my opinion that a coach should finish out the year. So Nebraska is going to have an interim head coach at the moment. Otherwise, they're going to be using their – coordinators to figure out who they want as a head coach, but I would guess they're going to go with an interim head coach. And now, introducing the stat of the day. Joe Burrow had four interceptions and a lost fumble. He joins Justin Fields as the only player with five turnovers in a game in the last two seasons. Your stat of the day is presented by Twitter. And yeah, uh, Joe Burrow is now in elite company with Justin Fields. Sorry, Bears fans. Zach Gallen loses his scoreless streak, but claims D-backs record for having most innings pitched without allowing a run. He now has the record of 44.1 innings for the D-backs. The .1 is also a third. Uh, Congratulations to Zach Gallen. I was hoping that you could have broke the record for most scoreless starts, but uh, you still are etched in the history book as a great pitcher for the D-backs. It's awesome to see Zach Gallen out there pitching in his full potential again. Like I said previously, last year he was injured, didn't really have a good season, and now it's just awesome to see him coming back and then working his way back into this year and now blossoming back into that star ace for the D-backs. And now for our final rundown on the day, Dak Prescott needs surgery on his thumb. He's expected to miss six to eight weeks. TJ Watt is expected to need surgery for his torn pectoral and will most likely miss the rest of the season. However, a report came out today that it isn't as bad as they thought. The MRI came back and he might only miss about half the season. 
Shane Lowry wins the BMW PGA Championship, edging out Rory McIlroy and John Rahm as Rahm and McIlroy tied for second. Elijah Mitchell is set to miss eight weeks with a sprained MCL. And then on this day in sports history, in 2004, Roger Federer wins his first ever U.S. Open. And then back to the recap, we talked a lot of football today. I'm going to keep it a buck. We talked about the Monday Night Football preview, and I'm recording this, obviously, after the game. It's a late recording session today. I was watching the game and out with friends. So uh, I did pick the Broncos to win, however. So uh, they didn't win. Uh, I had a rough week on my NFL picks. And then we talked about my Sunday review for NFL. And we went through all of my picks. And then we went through some upsets in college football. And then we ha- we talked about a little bit of NBA with Danny Ainge coming out about the Jazz. Uh, we talked about the AP poll for college football. We talked about Nebraska's uh, head coach fiasco. We talked about Zach Gallen again. We had a new segment, uh, I See You. Mike Trout is the player of the week for me. And then we had a play of the day, a stat of the day, and our final rundown. Um, so, yeah. A pretty laid-back episode today. Nothing too crazy, nothing too out there. Um, Just a pretty standard uh, episode. Thank you for listening to the Sports with Shibs podcast. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I am getting around to making an Instagram and a Twitter page for fan involvement. So without further ado, I'm your host, Dylan Shibs. Shabilski signing off for the day. I hope you have a great rest of your day and don't forget to join me again tomorrow for more sports and different topics and reoccurring topics for that matter. So thank you again for listening. I hope you have a great day.